welcome to the Bodice Strippers Romance Novel Podcast, a podcast where we take a deep dive into the world of romance novels, looking not only at the nitty gritty and sometimes steamy parts of romance novels, but we like to also look at the many different aspects that bring this genre together. We like to look at the authors and looking at their strengths and weaknesses, looking at the process of the authors, and also looking at the historical aspects of romance novels. We're a bunch of nerds, but it's going to be a lot of fun, so get ready. Okay, we're back, guys. This, oh my god! Oh my god! I can't even. I'm so excited. One of I'm, my all-time favorite books ever. I think of all this time. This one's good, guys. This one's really good because to be, I'm gonna be perfectly honest with you. Looking at the cover, I was like, "This is gonna be stupid." <laughs> I know. I saw the cover too. So my my middle my middle my oldest sister, who is a uh, teaches like social studies and English for seventh and eighth graders, like worst job in the world, frankly, if you ask me. But. She's an avid, avid reader. And so she sends me all these great like YA book recommendations. Obviously this is not exactly YA, but- I was gonna say, is it? <laughs> not YA, it's not YA, it is not YA. Let's just make that very clear for whoever's listening. But she sends me this recommendation like, I don't know, a year ago or something like that. I, the same exact thing. I was like, oh, this is gonna be douchey. Like, this is not gonna be okay. Like yep. whoever, Casey, whoever did your cover, like let's readdress that next time. I mean, I get it. Like yeah. I, get, I get what you're trying to do here but it also does look like it's for seventh graders. It does. But that being said, if you have not read, well, let's talk about the book title. What book, are, what book is it? <laughs> what are we even talking about? We are reading Red, White, and Royal Blue, um, which has become, you know, this huge sensation, New York Times bestseller being made into a movie now, which I'm so excited about, right? Oh, I didn't even know that. That makes it even better. It just got announced like last week and it's by, I think it's by a, it's like a, I, know, I could be wrong, but like a Tony award-winning director who's LGBTQ focused. And so like he's directing the movie and all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, so don't let the cover fool you because it's fan-freaking-tastic. Yeah. So it's by oh, yeah. Casey McQuiston. Is that, is that who it is? I believe that's how you say her name. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's a woman who wrote it. Casey as in a woman. Yes. And she's, okay. she's younger. I mean, she's, I mean, I don't know her exact age, but I feel like she's in her like mid twenties kind of thing, but yeah. And she's written, I believe a little, but not a ton. This is like kind of her, um, her, her birth of a, a book that just happened to be amazing. Like the first one almost like, I'm sure she's been writing for a long time, but like, she doesn't have this huge prolific, like writing behind her, you know, for published writing. Right. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm looking at the book right now because this is this is gonna be a really weird long round story. Is I've had this first of all, I am not like super tuned in to like literary news, if you say that. So when you're like, this is a sensation, I'm like, I don't fucking know that. Like, cool, it's a sensation. Who knows? So I've had this on my library Libby app to borrow for a year, and it just hasn't come. And honestly, I'm gonna be really transparent. I haven't finished it. I'm literally halfway through here. I'm here. In this book because I it finally hit me on Tuesday I was like shit we have we're recording on Thursday I haven't read the book I went to Barnes and Noble to buy it I brought it home yesterday I was slammed I had a full day session and I had like family things so I didn't start reading this till this morning oh okay that's that's really fine ah, I'm not gonna be able to spoil it for you no, I, you can spoil it because I mean I've gotten to the sex part but I I was stunned about how fucking good this book was like so good so good. Like I'm literally page 172. So I'm looking at this book right now. I'm looking at the cover. And so Colleen Reinhardt, who did the cover and illustration, no hate against you. It's God. lovely, but it's definitely not an indicator of what you're going to read on the inside. That's no. what it, no. it, it literally looks, which is so funny. So I'm like reading it 
have it open like this. And my 15 year old daughter walks in. She's like, oh my God, you got that book. I've been wanting to read that. I'm like, great. You can read it when I'm done. No, no, you can't. I mean, <laughs> maybe you can. That's where I'm like, I was like driving to get my husband to pick him up. And I was like, okay, now that I've gotten to the sex part, like, can she read this? I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Hey, I would be on the fence too. Well, so here's the thing too. If you've just gotten to the first sex scene, there are, there are more to come. So right. that is, that is part of it. Okay. So and I'm going to tell you, I'm, where are you? Yeah. Where am I? Hold up. It is for readers out there. It is, it is, it is both graphic and not so graphic, but it definitely like, you're gonna, there's, a, there's, there's definitely good sex scenes in this book. It's graphic enough to make me sweaty. Like make me literally be like, I think I need to change my shirt. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, it made me enough to like get turned on where I'm like, okay. So yeah, I'm I obviously like what we talked about before. I'm obviously like a closeted 17 year old boy because I love yeah. these. I'm, I'm turned on by these stories. <laughs> uh, here's what it is. Here, like literally I figured it out. So I'm, I'm past the point where they have sex the first time. It's like, they're kind of like, it's like a progressive thing. You know what I mean? Yes. Cause they're on two different continents. Yeah. So what it is, what is the beauty of this book? So first of all, the thing that I freaking love about this book is the banter. Like the yes. instant I started reading it, I'm like, is Casey in my brain? Yeah. Because she's so funny. her characters like talk how I would talk with my friends. Yes. So I mean, we'll go into our favorite characters in the book, but it's just so, the dialogue is so well-written and it feels so viscerally real. Like siblings would talk to each other and like best friends would talk to each other. Like it feels like you're actually like in on someone's conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, le- it's less like someone has transported you into their world, more like she's coming into your everyday life. And like, this just happens to be a situation that you and your friends are dealing with or something. No, agreed. And I loved the same thing. I loved her humor. I loved the banter. I loved, again, uh, in, in a different way, I think for me than some of the other ones that we've read previously on the series is, is those friendship ties, those familial ties. But I mean, it's like you love seeing, okay. And full disclosure, the West Wing is one of my all-time favorite series ever. I watch it every year, obsessed. It's Aaron Sorkin at his best, right? And how the banter is on West Wing, because it's conversationally, that's so, so fast and it's, but it's so funny, right? She hits that for me, like, dude, Alex's mom is the president, but like, but you see the president as, as a mom and she's coming in, they're having pizza night together, they're cracking beers or whatever. And like, she fully, you know, supports him basically in this relationship once she finds out about it kind of thing. And it's like, but it just, it is, it makes him so, so human. And, and I love that piece of it, but she's also then again, created these little great group friends. You've got, you know, sister, you've got Nora, the super tech nerd, you've got, you know, um, Henry's sister. And, and so it's like, oh, Bea, Bea, Bea. And it's like, and they all, and then you've got, oh my gosh, his, Henry's best friend, the multimillionaire, I forget his, his name, you know, Pez, Pez. And it's like, you have this group now of six, I think, plus you've got his secret service people who are pretty damn cool too. And it's like, you just have this really nice, like intimate, you know, group of people that are very, very real. I think she did a fantastic job with the writing, with the dialogue, with all of that. For someone who, again, I think she's been writing for a long time, but like for this to be one of her earlier books in her career to have come out with such like poise in writing this, right? Like it was just so well done. It's so well done. And I think that's right. Is like the realness and the humanness of it. I think like as someone who has like intentionally avoided paying any attention to politics her whole life because it just the whole thing is just overwhelming to me uh like to the point where I didn't even take civics in high school or government because I did it correspondence which meant I showed up the last day of school and the teacher that was in charge was like here's the answer key and here's the test I gotta go bye 
I was like, cool. <laughs> that's all. That's literally the exposure that I had about understanding our country's like government, right? Mm-hmm. Like no clue. And then when you're an adult, like seeing it kind of play out in real life as an adult, you're like, this is not for me. Like just, you know, all of, all of the things that you see, you're just like, I just can't align with any of it, you know, for me as a person. Mm-hmm. And it just is so, it's such a far flung universe for what my day-to-day life is. But you, when you read something like this, it does pull it in and make it so human. And it's so the opposite of what the like um, experience of my exposure to politics on, cause to be honest, all, the only exposure that I've ever had really was on the TV, you know, and not the West Wing version. It's the polished press announcements, really. Yes. It's yeah. the commercials when you're campaigning. It's all of that very clean through the washing machine, very detached, you know, that are real, right? Like every Senator I've ever seen speak or every press conference, every address to the nation, it doesn't feel like it's another guy that could be your neighbor. It feels like it's a character that's like playing a part in this giant role called politics, right? To me, that's just my, they're not real, right? It's just my perspective, right? So reading something like this really does bring it in. And I, I've watched a couple episodes of West Wing. I did like it. I think it was super good. Um, but this, I felt like was exactly that, right? Is like, when you really think about it, the people that you see on TV, they are dads and moms. They are, you know, like I love, um, I just like watching that governor of North Dakota because she's so cute and she's a mom. Like, but she's probably like cusses at her kids like I do. And she probably does throw pizza at people or drink a beer on the weekend. I don't know. I don't know her real life. Who knows? I don't even know her name, Christy something or other. But like, you know what I mean? You forget like these polished women and men that you see on TV are actually human beings that have actually the same kind of problems and issues that we all have in just different perspectives and ways. So that's what I super, super loved about this is it did bring, I mean, this is going to sound dumb, but like it brings a little level of compassion, Mm -hmm. like from myself to like not judge these people on the TV doing a job that I cannot identify with at all. It's like, oh no, I can actually look at these people like other humans that are just living life. Right, right. I mean, no, I agree. It did, it did make that, because they do, they're like characters in a play. Like you can't really yeah. believe. It's like when you see a beautiful scene or like if you're in a landscape and you're like, oh my gosh, it looks like a postcard. Like I can't even believe it's real. Yeah. Same kind of sense where you're like, oh, they're just, they're politicians and, and celebrities to an extent, right? They get, they get kind of put behind this glass wall and you're like, you're not really real and you don't really have emotions and right. you're just doing the job. Yeah. That, like we can't identify with being a Senator or president or all that sort of stuff. And she right. did, she did a really great job of humanizing everybody. And, and honestly, the big, the big struggle, you know, they all are kind of, of going through. And it was interesting because I read some reviews about it. Most everyone, you know, loved, loved this book, right? But the critical reviews of it were, you know, that she was too fanciful, right? That it, this would never happen. This would never be allowed to have this type of relationship with the two major, you know, kind of political players right. in the world kind of thing. And I get that, but like, that was also her point too, right? Like she's, she's in, she's obviously in the LGBT community, but she, I think in her forward said she wrote this, you know, sort of after the election in 2016 and she was feeling really, you know, upset about that. So she needed someplace to escape to that actually for her, because whatever her political point of view is, mm-hmm. she needed that ability to see the world differently and to have hope in a different way. And I really like that because it is, it is fanciful in a, in a way, you know, in that sense, even though it's 2021 and all of that, right. but but she wanted to offer this alternate, like she said, alternate reality to people to say, hey, but look what is possible and look at the the support that can be generated. And these are real people and, and who cares really what the title is and what your responsibilities are. These are people that 
that need to be following their heart and what, what their passions are and who their love is. Like you, you can't help that, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And that's the one thing that was my, like, again, I have not done, but like my biggest takeaway with the whole thing. And again, this is coming from a woman who's only, I'm 36 years old. I've only had sex with men in my life. So it's not like I can really identify with the idea of coming out, you know, like from the outside, it seems like I have a very like traditional female life path, right? Like, so this is coming from someone that does not have the experiences or shame or emotions or whatever it is that people go through. Anyone, any individual might go through when they have this like grappling of their sexual identity, but I couldn't help but feel like, man, it's sure going to feel good in hopefully 10 to 20 years when we never even have to think about what does this mean about me? Am I a lesbian? Am, am I gay? Am I bisexual? Like, and I can't wait to, for the time when it's just like, I'm just a person that happens to like this person and it doesn't fucking matter. Like, mm -hmm. because there's no such thing as labels anymore because we don't need them. I am so right there with you. Like I was thrilled when the whole like pansexual came out. Right. Cause pansexual was like the one label was like, where it's like my soul identifies with your soul and I don't see anything else. And I was like, yes. And, and actually we don't even need that label. Like it's exactly that. Like, can we just say, I'm a human loving another human. And, and I don't, cause I'm, I'm the same thing. I don't care who you love. It, it, it's, it's, or, or how you identify, right. At the end of the day, cause we're all, I mean, I'm having, you know, fantasies now because I'm reading a book about two guys. Like that turns me on. I don't care what that says about me. I'm very happily married in a heterosexual, you know, marriage kind of thing. So that doesn't, that doesn't even blip on my radar, like in that sense. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, I'm really hoping the day comes when it's like, we don't even, it, there, there's no need for labels. There's no need to say, oh, and, and maybe there's a need because you and I are in, we are not in, you know, the LGBT community ourselves. Maybe that community feels that they need that label to, to have a place. And I totally understand that. I'm just really hoping that that actually just gets dissolved. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just am hoping, I mean, again, that's exactly right. Right. Like if every, if people, if any individual feels like they need to identify themselves as a certain thing to mm -hmm. have an identity, that's, that's amazing for you. Like you do you, that, that's just, I don't know that I've, maybe I did in the past, but I mean, at this point in my life, I don't feel like I need to stamp myself with things or put myself in a bucket of anything. So you're right. Like I wouldn't even think twice about someone being like oh I'm married to a man but like I don't know I watch like girl on girl porn like cool like that does it have to mean something does it or is it just like right you're into that shit like that's really all you need to say I'm into that shit Wait, you're into that shit. or it's like just just stop like thinking you have to color inside the lines like just take the lines away and like because because humans are messy the world is messy so like be be messy and beautiful in it and, and stop worrying about like, oh, it's going to look this way or I should feel a certain way. It's like, no, like it doesn't actually need to mean anything. You're just, it, it does not mean it does not. Well, and it's funny because this hits home for me because so I, my husband and I have been together for 11 years now and, but he was married previously and his wife and he went into that relationship and she very much identified as bisexual and she just was choosing at that point to be with Eric, a man, right? Right. They got divorced. She is now married to a woman. So it's like, great. If right. you're happy, that's the end of the discussion for me is like, you just need to be happy and, and people are treating you well. Right. Like, so I'm with you there too. And of course the one line in the book that, you know, everyone talks about kind of everywhere. Oh, you're not, you're not there yet, but there's, it, they, there's a, a line in one of the letters. I think they write to each other that says history comma, huh? History, huh? Like we're, 
making history. Like it's, what is history going to decide, you know, our fate kind of thing. And that sort of travels throughout the rest of the book and towards the end kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, like history should just be like, you do you. (laughs) And I think that's the biggest thing, right? Is like, yes. I mean, I guess fanciful is the right word for it because it is crazy that even in like today's landscape of 2021, all the shit that everyone's been through, like the fact that even you and I speaking about this right now in October of 2021, the fact that this in our minds, we're like, yeah, this is people that are saying it's really fanciful and it would never happen. That's like so depressing. (laughs) Like, are we we seriously still here? Like that this needs to be a thing that like could never happen. Like, why not? Who cares? Well, it's also like, I just was reading something about, um, there's some major rom-com that's being developed. It's not this, it was previous to this, that it was like, it's the first rom-com major like movie release that's gonna feature two male leads as, as the romantic love interests. And you're like, so that took us a little while to get there. Yeah. Like, well, you're, it's like almost unbelievable. And that's exactly what this is. It's like, it's almost unbelievable that this is so unbelievable. Right. You know, it's, it's like, people still give a shit? Like that's right. still a thing? Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna lose half the people who listen to this podcast because we're like we don't give a shit and people are going to be confused and I'm like dude it's 2021 like let's just just all love each other you know at this point also we don't have any listeners yet because we haven't launched but this is true potential (laughs) (laughs) we haven't launched our podcast yet this is all just saved into a dropbox but it's it's Lin-Manuel Miranda who was like love is love is love and I'm like yes that's it done period there's no but there's no extension there's no and there's nothing that happens after that right like And I think this is the actual truth for me, right? I think it was so much less about like, turns out I'm turned on with two young gay men doing it. Like, it's less about that. It's more about like, it's two human beings. Yes. And people are writing, this person is writing about that. For me, it's the buildup. It's always the buildup. Oh yeah, once once you get together, no, then it's done. You need the tension. Yes, I need the tension. And if you, I don't care if it is a man and a woman or two women or two men, I don't care who it is. I don't care the people. I don't care what gender they are, race they are, whatever. If you build that shit up and you tell me the details of that, because you can viscerally feel that, right? Like you remember when, I mean, it's been a while, I've been married for 15 years, but like, I re- you remember that like the text yeah. thing and like the emotions that come up with just a text and the like late night phone call that you didn't expect and how that like bubbles up the emotion in your thing. And then like the, nobody else knows what you're doing, but you're smiling at your phone feeling like mm-hmm. that is the shit that I will connect with every time. Yeah. Bar none. Like if you will give me that and you will stir those emotions of like the buildup, I don't care who it is. Right. All day long. All All day long. long. No, that's, that, that sums it up so beautifully because that's the exact same thing. Any book, any TV series, any of it, as soon as you get them together, I mean, I enjoy the after, but it's really the, the seasons and the chapters and however long it takes. For, so, so like Frasier, you know, we're throwing it back here, but Frasier is one of mine, Eric's like favorite TV series. It's comfort food, right? Oh my Frasier? God. Frasier. Yes. I've never oh. seen an episode of Frasier in my life. Oh my God. It's actually considered one of the best all time TV series ever, ever hands down. Right. Because it's just such good writing. It's such good chemistry. You should watch it. It, they, it takes them a couple, it takes them a couple episodes to get going, but like by season two, they're, they're great, but we watch it as comfort food. They're 20 minutes. They're, they're super short. Right. But two of the main characters, it takes them seven years before they finally like get it. And once they get together, I'm like, Frasier's good, but it's not as good as it was the first seven years. I need the tension. I need the buildup. I need that for real. You do, you do. And she and Casey did a beautiful job of of that buildup. And she also like 
she did the buildup and then, you know, they get, to, they, they have that moment after the state dinner, right? That's the first time mm-hmm. there's like that physical interaction, but then they, they separate, or I guess there's the, the kiss under, after the new year's Eve party, there is that first piece, yes. but yes. then she, she provides space, which right. is interesting, right? Because sometimes you get that and then it's sort of like, but it, every succeeding chapter is a lot of time together, a lot of intimacy, but they don't have that, right? Because they're in different continents. So I actually like that because that extended the buildup for us. Well, that's what I was just going to say is like, imagine this was like a real life thing. Like that would be like an ideal situation, honestly, because at least in my personal experience, like once that one time hits, it's like, now we're just not in boring land, but it's like a given now, right? Like you're now in a relationship or whatever it is where you can kind of expect how it's going to play out. This situation is like, you're on two different continents. You don't know what the hell's going to happen. And that's super fun. So like, yeah. I'm in yeah. for all of that. I am for that. And I don't know if she's going to do this because I feel like this is a standalone, but she has so many opportunities for spinoff too, right? Because she has written, I do like how she spent time with the other characters and developing their own interests and own storyline. You know, Bia has um, her, the history of her drug addiction problem. And then, you know, she's creating, um, you might not be there yet. She's creating some things. And then you have Nora, who's like super tech nerd, you know, kind of thing. And then you've got June, right? His sister, Mm -hmm. who's like writing her memoirs. Like you have all these like spinoffs and she probably won't. She'll probably keep this as an encapsulated, like one book kind of thing. But I did appreciate the character development, you know, through her, because it does, it does help with what we talked about with that humanization piece. I would say the only, the only negative I had about this, which is not a negative, and I think she even talks about this in the in the um, acknowledgments in the end of the book where she was like, thank you to my editors for, you know, chopping this off uh, at some point or that she took out like a hundred thousand words of the book, Whoa. you know, as, right. There are some places where I'm like, okay, so we're drag. I felt like there's a little bit of a drag, just a, just a touch. Like it was, it's like, it's like we talked about before, JK Rowling's book seven, nobody edited her because she's JK Rowling's like someone should have edited her like they spent 800 pages in the woods like we didn't need that, you know, where like here, there were a couple scenes where I was like, come on, like, let's, I want to see what's coming next kind of thing. And she spent a lot of time um, in that. That's my, oh, my only hiccup with this book was like, there are just like two or three spots where I was like, oh, I wish you would have moved just a touch faster because the rest of your book has such a nice pace, right? Yeah. It is. It's very, very well written. I was like incredibly impressed. And I really love, I mean, you could tell she was young a little bit because she was so spot on with references. Like they felt, you know, when you sometimes read books from the nineties, you're like that dated it, (laughs) you know? So I'm sure that this will do that too. Like at some point we'll be like, Snapchat doesn't exist anymore. Like we're almost there. (laughs) Flash in the pan. (laughs) Yeah. We're like almost there now where it's like, is Snapchat a thing still? People still do that. Um, But like, yeah, it felt very like, realistic like you're like I could totally viscerally see these people being actual people because of the things that they're doing and talking about and saying and all the things so yeah that felt really weird okay but you know what is so funny is that in books especially like books I love um Atlas Shrugged I've had like characters in my head like who I'm imagining in this I instantly even though the guy's blonde and he's younger I instantly think of Prince Harry instantly like pre-married to Meghan Merkel like I just right. instantly see him as like younger and that guy. Right. I had to like really dig deep in my mind, like, okay, who am I imagining as mm. Alex, Kelly Ripa's son? Woo! <laughs> Lord Almighty. First of all, her husband is like the hottest of all time. Oh, smoking, smoking hot. Yeah. So them, I'm like, okay, if Kelly Ripa was a redhead, that would be them. Like they are the parents. They are the parents of this kid oh, because they are so perfect, perfect for that right perfectly aligned this big and so cute but their son shit 
smoking. So I haven't seen a picture. I haven't seen a picture of him recently. I'll have to, I'll have to look that up. So in my brain, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna imagine them two, Prince Harry younger and that guy, whatever his name is. I but See, it's great. And I had, I had yeah, no this. problems. I had no problems not imagining Prince Harry because I, I like. It, it was a full, I was so easily able to like craft this character in my brain in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. Like I, I didn't have any struggle, even though obviously it, it's, it's that alternate reality that is him, you know, of course kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't struggle with that one. I, I, and I was really pleased with that because I didn't want to see Prince Harry. I wanted to see like my own, you know, character imagination come through with that. Oh, one. I think Prince Harry's so hot. So I could totally, I'm like, I'm in for that. <laughs> Prince Harry's off the wagon. He's doing his own thing. It's totally yeah. fine. But yeah, I mean, even, I, is he even a prince anymore? Who knows? But yeah, like, does, the question is, should he be? Probably not. Does it matter? <laughs> not really. Yeah, like does not matter. Of, all of it's crazy. But yeah, it is. It's super good. And um, I also I'm gonna put a little caveat too. I did like the little touches of personality of not just the the friends and people that were their own age, but I loved even like one of my favorite characters is. I want to say it's a their security guard is a, is transgender, so it's like Amy yes. Chen, and there was like a little, little blip of like mm-hmm. before her transition and her wife, and I'm like, oh, so now I'm imagining a transgender security guard that is married to a woman, and so like her quips now I can like picture that like person again. I don't you like I'm like you, so I don't always have to have like a real person be the characters. You know what I mean? Sometimes right. I just have them in my mind. But it's like, oh, I love that she added that little blip in because it really does, it doesn't like it changes the way I think about her at all, but it's just like, okay, now I can like kind of re-envision these interactions of like a person that has a little bit more of a twist. I don't want to say more depth, but like, it's just a different way of thinking when you think of like a security guard who's a woman that was in the military and happens to be like married to a woman. And then you shift that perspective and you're like, okay, now the person speaking is actually a woman who was formerly a man that has transitioned that now works security in the White House and like how progressive of them and that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just an, it was an interesting twist that I really enjoyed. Like, I really liked that little like blip that they put in there. So that was really good. No, I thought that was too. So then, okay. So then tell me then favorite character. Okay. So my favorite character is June because the way she talks to her brother makes me die laughing. And I'm like, that is seriously kind of how I talk to my siblings. Like it's, we're not, we don't, obviously we're adults now and we have families, but like, actually, you know what, to be honest, we didn't live a lot. Like they're adults that live together. And the minute I was 18, I moved out of the house, but it's the banter back and forth, the like calling each other assholes, like type thing. Like that's so feels real, you know, to me. And they're just, they're just really funny. But, um, I really liked June. I liked her a lot. Yeah. She's my favorite character. She was great. Um, I think for me, again, I have a hard time making decisions. So this was this for me, I really, I mean, I really don't want to pick one because I loved all of them and all their different like characteristics or idiosyncrasies, all of that. But I would actually say, I do think it's Henry um, for me because I just, I really enjoyed his, like, I feel like his growth was the most in this book, right? Because, and you'll see this towards the end too, but Alex seems like he's very much himself the entire time. He's very firm in his convictions. You know, it takes him a couple chapters to realize that, hey, he's not straight, you know, but then he's like, dude, I am not fucking straight. Like, give me the hip bone, you know, kind of thing. And so, yep. And but then he's firm in it. And so I appreciate that. But I appreciated Henry's struggle. Plus his position is, is difficult. But I feel like he was just this like small burn that yeah. just like 
he just, he kept burning and burning hotter and hotter until he really just sort of exploded, you know, right out. And I, I liked that transition. I like that metamorphosis. I like that, that self kind of, I mean, he, he, he on the opposite end had known he was gay for, you know, since birth kind of thing. Um, that was kind of the, I really liked that juxtaposition though, of like the yeah. fact that Alex, it was like almost like an internal external battle, right? Like Alex is very clear externally who he is, but internally a little bit muddled. And it's the opposite for Henry. Internally, he's clear, but externally, he has these constrictions and is muddled. Yeah. So it's like they have like these this opposite dance they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I really like that, but I really did like Henry's evolution through the through the book. Um, just that that personal struggle that he he went through. Because I do, I feel like Alex is he's a little bit of a ball buster and like he's not afraid to do it. Where where Henry is, he was clear on who he was from the very beginning, but he's never been able to sort of ground himself in that and express that so I liked that struggle mm-hmm. um yeah. my other favorite character though was um the mother the president of the United States I thought she was hilarious yes. very much like I can imagine whatever president you can imagine any of them they probably do have those days where they're like calling their kids idiots and saying I'm actually going to plan your murder if you don't fucking fix this I and love that so part <laughs> I thought that was really, it's so good like it was just really funny because it is but it does also put this interesting light like the the more I do learn about what politics really is as an adult, the more I'm like, and people are still in on this. Like this seems wrong. Like just the way it's all set out, I'm like, it is like you're you've just been cast in a play. Like I come from an arts background, so I've done I was a dancer forever, some musical theater, not a lot, but like, it's like you're playing a part. Like you're cast as a character. Like none of this is actually based on a lot of realness and you all are just still okay. Again, in 2021, with just doing the song and dance. That's not real. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not real. It's not real. But it's like, I guess this is how it works. And I guess we're all just supposed to pretend like it still is okay, but cool. I don't know. The whole thing is just super interesting. And that whole um, way of life is so foreign and far from me that I'm just like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It is weird. And and I'm with you. Like I, and I mean, I, I went to school for political science. Like that's what what my graduate degree is in. And I, I never want to touch it with a 10 foot pole. Like I just, and and certainly not domestic American politics. Like I was much, much more interested in international relations and cultures and, you know, relationships between countries, but I I don't know why people get into politics. I mean, I think you maybe initially get in because you actually want to make a change. You want to help your constituents and all that. But I think that very much, it gets really difficult to do when you're locked down by having to fundraise all the time and your your constituency changes and your power struggle constantly. And it's like somebody somebody asked Oprah, I don't know, a couple of years ago when the idea floated about Oprah and Dwayne Johnson, which I would hell yes vote for that ticket, you know. I'm in of- for Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> And I would vote for Emily Blunt also. I know she's I would too. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a jungle cruise presidency and I would be fine with it. Can Kevin Hart be Secretary of State? Oh my I god, mean. yes. <laughs> Great foreign relations would occur then. You know, I fucking kind of love thing. it. I'm in. Yeah. But he got floated to her and she was like, and rightly so, she was like, Why would I do that? Like I have so much I can do. There's no restrictions to what I can do. You know, I'm I'm incredibly wealthy, but I my goal is to help people. Like if I went into politics, all that goes away because instantly half the people are going to hate you, right? Depending on what you decide to do. And the, the most presidencies are pretty immobile, right? You don't get a lot done because you're so hemmed in by what the, what the percentages of seats in the Congress. And so it's like, 
And she's like, why would I do that? I was like, yes, that's actually the correct answer. Like you can do more good. Your power is yeah. better utilized outside of a political position. Yeah. If that really is your, your goal in life is to actually help, like the presidency is not where you do it. And it's just so interesting, like the, the dynamic of it, of like the idea of like, hey, if you wear this blue, you're up this many points. It's like, are we playing a fucking video game here? Is the goal is like, literally it feels like every politician's only goal is to win something. But like, once you win, you actually have to do something. Is anyone doing anything? Or are we all just stuck in this competition because the competition should end up with something happening. And it just feels like it's always people trying to win something. You would think, but I think that's what happens. Everybody wants to get there, but then the execution never actually occurs. Yeah, it's like people just want to get have a wedding, but they don't want to be married. You know right. what I mean? It's right. like that. It's like, you realize that after a wedding, you actually have to be married to a person. And you like, gotta like, put the work in. It's a marriage, right? Yeah. So it's like, your wedding's cool and all, and I'm glad that it was a huge lead in to fucking get here. But now what? Is what now it you gotta put the work like. in. Yeah. It's, yeah. Weird. it's a weird thing. So yeah, I loved this book. I thought they had a really, it was just done really well and really amazing perspective, amazing characters. I'm stoked for the movie. I'll tell you that. Oh, the movie is going to be freaking fantastic because I've read this book probably four times already. And so I will watch the movie a thousand times too. But I just, I'm actually just really excited to see what she's writing next yeah. because I do feel she was like a breath of fresh air kind of on the scene um, in terms of writing. I'm literally going to petition to the director to hire Kelly Rubison. Like, can you just hire him? That's my need. Can he act is the question. Does he yeah, act? I think he's an actor. I'm pretty sure okay. he's an actor. I mean, Great. I don't know. I like spent two seconds stalking him before this episode, but I mean, I mean, uh, there you go. Whoever I need to write into, I'm gonna write into them and tell them this is what's happening. Hit it. All right. So before we wrap, um, what are you reading right now? Oh, um, I am reading. Shit. What am I reading? Oh, I just finished four agreements. I gotta be honest. It didn't really hit home as I thought it was going to. It, I think that one. It depends on where you are in time of life. Yeah. It, it was weird. Um, okay, here's what I think is the thing. I think it was written, I don't think I know, it was written by a man from Mexico to a culture that he was immersed in, which is a Catholic culture. So I get it. Like a lot of his references were based on those things. Like, so people, it's tangible to people, right? Like I felt like that was who he was speaking to. So like he references a lot like hell on earth and like the devil and that and like, oh, I actually don't believe in hell or the devil. So can't really yeah. relate to those things you know what I mean so a lot of it was like I'm very much a like keep what serves leave what doesn't and that was like there was a lot that didn't really serve but I liked a lot of it a lot of it was great like I thought the domestication of people human beings I think that is so spot on like my whole viewpoint is like leave them wild leave them free so um yeah it just didn't hit as home as I thought it would but it was fine and it was short which I liked which is nice. Yeah. 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 This is good. Yeah. Um, I was traveling last week, so I'm still in the middle of the third Edie Dunmore portrait of a Scotsman, which is, which, oh wait, no, I finished it. I finished that. It was good. I finished that one. I read, um, it's called Twice Tempted by a Rogue by Tessa Dare. It's the second one and same thing. It's in a, it's in a Duke historical, you know, romance time. I'm so excited to read those. Oh my God. So good. So good. And I'm still reading the lunar abundance and the Reiki crystal healing. So I've got a couple that are ongoing, Love but it. I did, which are all fantastic. I did just put on reserve the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo because I haven't, or Hugo, because I haven't read that yet. And that's coming up in one or two episodes, but it's like a year out on my Libby app. So I'm going to have to buy that one. <laughs> it is really good. It is a really good one. I've read that. I'm excited to talk about it, but I, I literally was like, Oh, I should have reserved this a year ago, you know? Yeah. So it'll be fine. You'll never, get it. you'll never get it. So yeah. And actually now that we say that, I know we have like two minutes, but I, we, I think we should start doing like a book 
like a sisterhood of the traveling book, something or other. So people yes. can, the ones that we actually have to buy, people can send in people that want to read them. So that would be fun to kind of put together. I love that. All right. So next week, you guys, we are diving into Evie Dunmore, who has quickly become one of my favorite authors. She's super fun. We're going to be looking into her um, trilogy. She just released the third one, which is Portrait of Scotsman, but she's got two before that. So we'll be talking about all things related to um, her books, which are really cool because they're set in the time of basically like the British um, suffragette movement um, in the UK, women trying to get the vote and all of that. So there's a lot of historical pieces to it that are really interesting as well. Mary Poppins era. I love it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. So fun. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Bodice Rippers Romance Novel Podcast. We are just so completely delighted that you guys are tuning in and listening to all things romance novel related, as well as all things in a completely different tangent. (laughs) We're here for big conversations, small conversations that are on topic and off topic. Please, 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 if you have a second, just rate, review, subscribe, leave us a note, leave us a message. It just really helps us in the podcasting world as we pretty much want to be doing this full time because we just love chatting about all things romance novels and talking with all of you guys. So if you have a quick second, let us know how we're doing. And of course, if you have any feedback, just pop us a review and let us know what we could do better, could do worse, or could do more in a hilarious fashion. And until next time, you guys get out there, read those romance novels, and let us know what are your juiciest takeaways. Talk to you soon.